A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone. I'm, well... It's obvious. I'm John Verhoeven, and I was a cop back in the 80s in Sydney. And I'm Paul Verhoeven, John's son. I'm an author, and I wrote two books about Dad's time as a cop. The first five seasons of Loose Units spanned my time in general duties, forensics, my time as a firefighter, and even my stint running a funeral home. This season, we're visiting the locations of Australia's most notorious, baffling, horrific crimes, and looking at what happened there. From Snowtown to The Family... From the Morehouse murders to haunted highways. This season of Loose Units is your go to guide to the worst crimes in Australian true crime history. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Last week on the show, Dad and I finished looking at the fifth victim in the case of the Blacktown Rapist, and this case is starting to, I'll be perfectly honest, listeners take a bit of a toll on us, but not as much of a toll as it was starting to take on the victims and the families at the time. But also, law enforcement was really struggling to get a bead on this guy. Now, Dad, could you talk us through what happened next in this sordid tale? Hmm. Well, they put together a sort of a task force. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to say to the listeners at this juncture that this is not an eternal, everlasting, infinite podcast in terms of this particular story. He doesn't... Mm -hmm. We're coming to the end, listeners. Okay, um, he's committed many atrocities, and it, and you've been with us for well, this is our fourth week on mm-hmm. this particular story, and it is it's harrowing. It's it not is. a it's and it's not well known. Mm. Okay, I I would we we, we have access to some extraordinary material. Um, it's restricted material, and. I guess that's good in a way because our listeners get to delve into stories that may have made the headlines. Yeah, relatively Mm. unknown. I mean, this is a story that took place more than 50... I I can hardly believe I'm saying this. Shit, more than (laughs) half a century ago. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I don't feel... I mean, it's so weird in terms of how old I feel. Hmm. one One thing I really struggle with is the fact that this... You look. You rarely hear about cases these days where there's been a string of crimes happening, and it's you know what I mean. This feels quite dramatic in terms mm. of the amount of crimes he's getting away with, and also the amount of time that has elapsed between each of these crimes. Now, I know the time frame of the last five cases has sort of you know gone up and down, and there's been some suspicion because I think the last one. Uh, he moved out of area, I think, to just kind of yeah. escape that that net. Mm. But this feels this feels huge. This feels like the kind of thing we should know about. Mm. Well, Paul. Mm. Okay, so they they really got sort of things going in a big way, and they actually mm. had a fingerprint technician on every on a special patrol car. So they'd be getting these um, 
these calls mm. and the the police response was rapid and if they because they had a, a description you may recall mm. the offender was in his 20s early yes. 20s he had long wavy hair mm-hmm. now if you had long wavy hair and you were in your say late teens early 20s mm. and you were walking the streets of blacktown you could be guaranteed particularly after you know these patrols really sort of got into full gear yeah. um, in in the wee hours because let's let's remember that the the sexual assaults the rapes were occurring generally around about between say 1 and 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. so there were numerous people that were pulled over numerous people there were women in that neighborhood that had had their underwear um one particular woman she every morning she'd come out to get her underpants that had been sort of you know swinging in the breeze (laughs) and (laughs) someone had tied all her underpants in knots and she actually one day saw a young neighbor Mm. jumping over the fence and she made the um the she sort of figured that he was the offender right I mean, and she called the police and she demanded that they arrest this particular person so the police go to this uh, you know the neighbor's house can you imagine being sort of a, a teenage guy police knock on the door and they had the fingerprint technician with them and what the fingerprint technician would do is he'd have a cursory glance down at your hands mm-hmm. now the police already had a bit of a feeling they already had two fingerprints that they knew were from the rapist yeah and they could sort of any skilled technician of which i regarded myself as and even today i can look at a latent fingerprint fingerprint on say glass then i can look at like let's for example say you at your flat where you live you touch a uh, like a mirror in the bathroom i then come in and but but I don't actually know whether it was you or Tegan, for example. I can just look at your both, both your fingers, fingerprints, hands, palms, and I can tell which one of you. That's without doing any proper testing. It's just sort of a visual, and that's what this technician would do. He'd be in the car, and every suspect that they got, they'd just basically shine a torch, and they'd get a sense. And it kept sort of... You know, nothing would eventuate. Then, then there's a party. That's a big party, a Christmas party. And I don't know whether this happens today because I don't get invited to parties, but... Well, you, I mean, you, you complain about the noise of some, but... That's... I do. I complain about parties, <laughs> but I don't go to parties. That's probably why I don't get invited because, because I'd complain. Imagine, can you imagine if the people down the road from you, the ones who have the loud parties, were like, "Look, we were going to invite you." I know, and you just and here's the thing, Dad. You could probably get the volume turned down if you were a You're man right. on the inside, right? Good. You could probably go, "Hey, hey, guys, guys, let's turn it down a little bit." Oh, anyway, yeah, no, you're right. So, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I don't know, and I'd like some listener feedback here because back in the seventies, and, and I remember this with my parents, they'd have parties, and. All the women would leave their handbags 
in a bedroom on the bed. Does that still I happen? That, I think I know I leave mine in a bedroom on the bed. No, I think there is literally if, if you're at a big party, a house party, typically speaking, jackets, bags, shit like that generally gets dumped in a room. Okay. Yes. And then the door gets closed. Okay. So this, 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 imagine the scenario. There are eight couples uh-huh. having a, having a great time at a party. Around about midnight, and people are relatively intoxicated, they go into this room, they're all saying goodbye, mm. every single handbag is gone. Someone has broken into this house and stolen eight handbags. Okay. The police come round, they, they dust the windowsill, which I did thousands of times when I was in fingerprints, thousands mm-hmm. and thousands of times, because that yep. is how most break and enter merchants, we used to call them merchants, as though, it's, well, I guess it's their job. And and most windowsills back in the 70s, 60s, and to a degree now, but not so much, were painted with a high gloss white enamel paint. Mm. The perfect surface for a latent print to adhere to just quickly most share houses i've i've lived in and in fact actually the apartment i'm staying in now still has that paint on the windows because that's roughly when i think it was sort of retrofitted Mm. Mm. and it is you're right it's all australians will know about it's like a thick glossy white paint yeah um so gloss is better than matte it'll leave a better impression mate um a an oil-based white full gloss Enamel mm. paint, yep. But it's impervious to water. It um, it's easy to wipe down. Mm. It's got lots of good properties. Tends not to fade. Um. Anyway, so they get some latent prints, and the fingerprint technician, when they go back to the um, to the Central Fingerprint Bureau, mm-hmm. because there are so many people working on this case, they recognise one of the fingerprints as being that of the Blacktown Rapist. Just quickly, I'm mm. looking... You've sent me a photo this morning and you didn't give me context, but now it makes sense. It, it is a black and white photo of, yeah, a painted white windowsill uh, at a house. Mm. Uh, it's quite an old photo and there's an arrow pointing to a bunch of prints. But this, yep. I mean, Dad, this frame has been dusted. The whole length of the frame's been dusted. Mm. And I'm seeing, uh, there's probably hundreds of prints here. How do they, how do you separate prints from, because people okay. open windows, good, people good lean point. on windows. So what they do, the next day, they get all the participants at the party, mm-hmm. which logistically would have been pretty full on, but they're working now. They've got, you know, time is of the essence. They've mm-hmm. got a they've got a rapist out there who's also we also know that what tell us Paul when the offender um, committed the act of um, you know the mm. the sexual assault what what also yeah. uh, after or before every assault what would the offender do steal things so there yes. were there were thefts going on in each house uh, there were things taken and it was it often seemed a little bit galling as to how little he took. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I'm assuming in the process, ah, in the process of rifling through stuff and searching for things, would he not leave prints all quite, over the place? Quite possibly. He also left his, his car keys, I two remember, holding yes. keys at another yep. uh, 
another offence. But in this particular case, you can quite clearly see all the black powder. The black powder would have either been soot, like a soot-based powder, which was incredibly messy, mm-hmm. or sometimes you would use magnetic iron filings, which is pretty exciting. And they get all the, um, the people who are at the party and the occupants. They simply fingerprint everyone. They then eliminate everyone by comparing all the occupants and guests and people that may have had a reason to touch that part of a, a window mm-hmm. and they simply eliminate. So they say, okay, these prints here do not belong to anyone that is known in terms of the occupants and visitors. Then they make the comparison that it act in, in, in actual fact, because they're getting a composite set of prints together, Paul. That photograph that I sent you, can you see on the next page the all those prints? It's right. fascinating. This is a legitimate fingerprint form. Yes, and, and it's been it's been written down. Okay, can you talk me through this? This says the sur- surname they've written the Blacktown Rapist in quotes. Um, Christian names in full. They've written composite yep. set made yep. up in 1973 by Sergeant Fay. It's, yep. So they're just kind of they filled in the name and details with just random you know uh, other details about it. Uh, signature of member age 18 to 30 um, isn't it fascinating Paul looking at the prints now it says here yeah they've got right index finger right middle finger right ring finger right little finger the thumb it says believed to I can't read this what does it say for the right thumb it's not there oh believed to be a wall type pattern that's w-h-o-r-l that's a that's Mm -hmm. a type of pattern Mm -hmm. um so they, they're starting to get this picture. Mm-hmm. Then, excitingly, I find it really exciting, through sheer diligence, mm. a police officer, they, what they do, they go back in terms of um, crimes that have been committed in that area. And they yep. go back, they go back um, a year. They go back through every single sexual offence from peeping Tom, snow dropping, um, all the different sort of bizarre, quirky sort of crimes, uh, then they sort of start to go wider and a very diligent technician discovers a set of fingerprints found, because one of the things they wanted to establish and prove beyond a reasonable doubt was, is the offender a local of that area? Or is it a person, an itinerant person that just comes in commits the crime and leaves, okay? Then Mm -hmm. they locate the fingerprints that were taken from a stolen motor vehicle the year before. Sure enough, it's the same. So they only need to identify one or two fingerprints. Remember this. And they've got a composite set. They're not sure. But then when they locate... They've only got to locate one identical matching print on the stolen car. Mm. But they get more than that. They get a whole lot of his fingers. They can then move them into the composite set, increase their, their knowledge. It's still not helping a lot at this stage insofar as they know that the offender is not on record. You can have fingerprints going back 30 years of hundreds of crimes committed by the same person. Mm. You can have the best prints in the world doesn't matter if the person's never been arrested you just you've just got these fingerprints yeah so there's no real reason to have i mean there's a whole discussion about dna and 
how it sits flush against this kind of a system. But yeah, you need to have been brought in and arrested and fingerprinted to have your fingerprints get a match, basically. So what you're saying is this guy's never been uh, caught and brought in for anything. Presumably when they catch him, uh, they can then take his prints on the record, cross-check, and that's going to really like nail him dead to rights. But I'm curious as to whether... So he was stealing a whole bunch of stuff. Was mm. any of that stuff ever found? Because that would have his prints on it, right? Um, not necessarily. Depends okay. on, depending on the material. But a few uh, weeks later, they did find. They found all of the bags. Oh. And a lot of the belongings. Uh, some children found them while they were playing on um, a property. Mm. And, you know, the, the, the person, as, as is often the case, Paul, you know, for example, when that offender broke into your karate school, uh, yes, they yes. took the bags. The bags were found in all sorts of places, including the front yard of a fan yeah. of loose units. Yeah, so, I, um, yeah, I'm starting to, parenthetically, I should add that I'm starting to suspect that the guy who gave the bags back... Uh, said mine was taken and uh, kept it. This is not the fan of the show, by the way. This All is right. the guy who got, yeah, reached out to. I, the fan of the show did the right thing. I'm pretty sure that the guy who found the bags in his yard may have gone, oh, this one's mm. nice. Yeah, yeah, he never returned this because all the stuff in my bag was returned. Anyway, mm. yeah, so, okay, so bags, so what you're saying is that once a thief has gone through and kind of rifled the contents, yep. Typically speaking, they'll dump them. But, I mean, they won't sit there and wipe each bag for prints, will they? I mean, They, they look at the surfaces. They look at the surfaces. They just see if you're not going to get a print off off sort of a rough leather. Uh, you know, it, it depends. But they knew that the person had... Because these were all the bags from the Christmas party. Mm. So, again, it proves, possibly, it's looking more and more that he's a local. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Now, we have to touch on one sad aspect again, but very briefly, that is that there was a sixth offence. Now, if I can say to the listeners, you'll be pleased to know... Uh, that that's the last offence. 
that he committed because um, his, the noose is, is tightening. Mm. And on this particular case, um, it, it was a, uh, a married woman. She's, uh, her husband is on shift work. So we, we know that um, his MO related to women um, with or without children, with or without pets, always between sort of 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. under the under the sort of the, the cloak of darkness. But this person, this offender, clearly must have been so frustrating for the police to know it's a local, it's a person in his 20s. It's, you know, this is the sixth offence, but the police don't know that this is the final offence. We know, but... You know they were they were working tirelessly. This this particular woman was uh, asleep in bed. But interestingly, in this particular case, and a couple of cases before that we did not mention, but I want to mention it just once, is that the offender found it very difficult to get an erection. That is very very important because you begin to realise that. Something's really awry with this person. The incredible stress. The victim is saying to this offender, my husband is late. He's going to be coming home around one in the morning, which is the time the offender's there. And yep. the, the victim says, and he, he was relatively, whilst he, he, he assaulted her, he, he caused her immense trauma, he caused great bruising on her body mm-hmm. um, on this particular occasion. She says that during the assault, which she was incapable of um, committing in terms of intercourse, he was continually looking at his wristwatch. And she realized that the more she spoke about the potential husband coming home, the more stressed he became and he ultimately left the room but before he did he said to her you know where, where's that where's your money and she said to him it's 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 again it's because people seem back then to keep money in the fridge and i don't know whether people do although i guess people don't have cash these days and he goes into the kitchen and she's watching him she gets out of bed and she puts sort of a towel around herself and she follows him down to the kitchen and and he leaves and she she calls the police but paul another thing we need to mention this particular whole sad story is that two of the families two of the victims and their husbands were so traumatized by the events that they never ever came back to their houses they packed their cars and sold their houses oh. that's that's the effect um i understand that Response. Yes, that is, it's, yeah. it's extraordinary. Now, the police had been relatively low profile in terms of newspaper and the media, but they began to really, really push uh, the whole story with a, with a description. They mentioned the firearms, because recall he'd, he'd stolen uh, a rifle with a, uh, mm. with, a, with a scope. Yep. And they started to really get the, the community involved. It's not known. I've tried to do some research as to why the media were not sort of heavily involved in this particular case. It may have been a matter of the police felt that they, they could trap this person. They didn't want to sort of scare them off. I know that sounds bizarre. 
Um, but I have not had that question answered um, properly in, okay. in, in my mind as, as to the media. But they then got them heavily involved and this is when everything starts to really, really come together. Now, So I assume this is when this piece of garbage gets his comeuppance, right? Yes, like, that's right. Is, okay, great. Let's find out how. Okay, so... The police got a phone call from a retired police officer. Now, this police officer, he says that one of his friends, uh, sorry, one of his son's friend, mm. his, um, you know, that his son knows him quite well. He, yeah. he owns a firearm with a scope and he said that he purchased the the gun at a local pub and he says that he's also got he's about 20 years of age and he's got long wavy hair and he get ready for this Mm -hmm. his name's peter and peter is the name that the offender gave one of the victims when she was trying to engage in conversation. That's right. That's right. Now, at a... Have you ever... I mean, I'm sure everyone's been wondering as to how he knew when people were away. Well, you could say that he just cased the joint. He was out sort of like the night stalker. Yep. He'd make sure there was not a car in the driveway. He was very familiar. But Paul, you recall with a number of victims, he'd call them up. He'd phone them. How did he get that information? Well, at a local water board office, that's the the local authority, Mm. and we've got them all over the world, that are in charge of you know, water, with water rates. Um, in the in the lift well, in the actual elevator of one of the, um, the buildings, there was something that <clears throat> caused the elevator to, to malfunction. And a technician went to the water board and he located a wallet that was stuck. And he pulled it out and ultimately the police found out that this wallet purse had been stolen from one of the victims mm-hmm. who'd been sexually assaulted. Yeah. So that waterboard thing is, is interesting. Um, just sort of file that for a few minutes and then the police, what happened was... They then found out that Peter, can you guess who he was employed by? The water board. The Sydney water board. Mm. And he worked at their main office where the stolen wallet that was jammed in the lift was found. Okay? So the police, can you imagine how excited they were? Yeah. God. So the police, they have a, um, they meet, they organise... Uh, you know, they've got the German Shepherd dogs, they've got the fingerprint 
guys, they actually had a fingerprint technician that was going to come to this sort of a raid and he would, on a particular signal, um, you know, I'll explain his role in a sec. So they waited until around about 10 o'clock that night mm -hmm. and it was a full-blown commando operation. They had, it was, they cordoned off the street, sealed all the exits, and then the detectives approached this particular house in Blacktown. They knock on the door, and it took them quite a while for someone to come to the door. And the detectives introduced themselves to this guy that was in his 20s, mm. and this guy with, who fits the description. He says, the first thing he says to the police is, Hi, I'm Peter. What's the, what's the trouble? And the police ask, can they come in? They noticed the, the, the guy was incredibly um, you know, agitated. He was perspiring profusely. And the detective said, look, we, we need to look at your, uh, at your hands. And at this stage, the, uh, the potential offender had no idea why. And the fingerprint technician goes to the offender, looks down, and he he gives a signal to the senior police, and it's sort of a it was a predetermined signal. That signal indicated that this was the person. This was the offender. This person in front of us now tonight has got the fingerprints that were taken at the scene of previous sexual assaults. Yep. And they cautioned him. They arrested him. They took him back to Blacktown Police Station where the interrogation began. I I don't know. I wasn't there, but I've witnessed quite a few interrogations of very, very serious offenders. And most interrogations that I have witnessed have been very um, thorough, but also proper. And and because it all depends on how the offender is reacting. Um, and he began to tell them over time his his story, and he clearly knew that he was up shit creek without a paddle. So he was saying to the police that, you know, in relation to the knife, it was only a threat if they really had have, um, got to the stage where they adamantly said, no, I would have left. I don't believe that. I think that's bullshit. Um, he did say that the primary motiv motivation for the, the crimes was, was burglary. And then inevitably in these cases, the offender begins to tell the police about numerous offences. And of course, there were so many offences that the police did not know about. And his career of, of stealing started when he was 13, when his father passed away, and it escalated. And... You know, he was, he was making good money. Then, of course, he had access to these handwritten cards at the waterboard 
with the name, address and telephone number. And he could simply go to work where he had access to this information. And a week or two after committing these atrocities, he could actually call them from work. Isn't that incredible? And he was subsequently put before the court. Now, the, the listeners, uh, you know, the judge makes it very clear that um, he has caused extraordinary trauma to a lot of victims. But unfortunately, Paul, and I, I don't quite understand. Do you, would you like to guess um, the sentence he got? I'm a little concerned that if I guess, I will be uh, disappointed with how long he got. Hmm. Well, the the initial sentence was 20 years, uh-huh. uh, which sounds like a long Sa- time. Does it? Uh, t- uh, look. For, for what he did, 20 years doesn't sound enough to me. But yeah. I know, but what they do is when they, when they sentence you, they, they normally have the terms served concurrently. Con- concurrently, right. So for each offence, he may get 20 years, which comes to 120 years. Wouldn't that be a life sentence then? Wouldn't they just send him to a life sentence? Very, very, very reluctant in the, in the judiciary. Very reluctant to give life sentences. Life without parole is extraordinarily rare. Oh, the reason okay. it's so rare is that they believe that people need... Uh, no matter who they are, to some sort of um, sort of light at the end of the tunnel, like an incentive to rehabilitate. To or rehabilitate. Gotcha. But but here's the part of this that I found slightly disturbing. He was sentenced to twenty years, but the non-parole period was only eight years. That I find interesting. But then in reading the judge's comment. The judge said, whilst I say eight years non-parole, he won't be being released until his psychiatric evaluation can be taken into consideration. So I have a feeling whilst the, the, uh, the information that we have on this particular mm. case does not talk about the psychiatric side of this particular offender, it is clear from the judge's comment that yep. there were concerns. Now... 1970, so that offender, I've seen photographs of him, he looks incredibly like Theodore Bundy, Mm. the the infamous Ted Bundy, which is just an aside to this particular story. And if he is still alive, he would be in his mid-70s. And I don't know whether there's anyone out there listening that, um, a knows of this particular case, or more importantly, um, knows whether the offender um, is still alive, and what 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 happened to them in the, in their life. Uh, you know, they may have uh, served their their, their time, mm. and they may have, on the balance of probabilities, unless they were put into an institution for the criminally insane, and I have my doubts about that. They may have gone on to lead a. Um, you know, dare I say it? Well, they may have they may have integrated themselves back into society. Mm. It's an interesting finale, but it's all based on fingerprint evidence, dogged police work. Yep. And whilst they had numerous, um, you know, samples from from the the offender's body, hair, 
semen, uh, you know, skin, everything. But they, there's nothing they could do with it back then. Um, it's a fascinating story. I, I have a feeling, uh, and I can only say this anecdotally from an Australian perspective, but I, I think it's, and thank God, but I, I have a feeling with DNA and all cameras and people with phones, you know, mobile phones, cameras. Mm. Um, I just, I've got this feeling that this type of crime is a lot more difficult to, to, um, to carry out. At least I hope so. Um, yeah, it's very disturbing. But what it was striking listening to you tell this story and going, oh, yeah, it's, it seems to be that fingerprints were what tied this whole investigation together and what really closed it off in the end. It's, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And I'm sure as somebody who worked in forensics and worked with fingerprints and, you know, had a lot, I mean, basically all of Electric Blue is about you and fingerprinting. So it must have been pretty amazing for you to encounter this story and to realize that the thing you were involved in was uh, and is a huge part of the investigative process. Weirdly, a lot of criminals that are out there yeah. uh, committing all types of crimes tend not to wear gloves. Right. Um, Is it because they think gloves, wearing gloves would look suspicious? Well, that would look suspicious. Mm. Um, if you're walking the streets at nighttime wearing a pair of rubber gloves, although, you know, people are less likely to question people. Well, look, I'm really glad this case was closed up. And I'm uh, whilst I really enjoyed the process of hearing how the police caught him, I, uh, I'm, I'm glad it's over, as we should be with all horrible crime stories. Now, look, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Thank you for joining us on this pretty grueling four-parter. We'll be back at the end of the week with a new episode of Loose Ends. And next week, a brand new investigation on The Shadow Files. But in the meantime... Have a fantastic week, everybody. Stay safe, and we will see you soon for more Loose Units. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.